0: Hello, welcome to the On-Call Consults in Less Than 10 Minutes series on ENT in a Nutshell, a compliment to HeadMirror's online survival guide. I'm your host, Michael Armstrong, and today we are joined by Dr. Matthew Carlson, a board certified neurootologist and skull base surgeon. In this episode, we will cover the acute management of tympanic membrane perforations. Let's jump right in. The tympanic membrane is a trilaminar structure separating the external auditory canal from the middle ear. In addition to serving as a physical barrier, the tympanic membrane plays a critical role in sound transmission. Disruption in the integrity of the tympanic membrane may lead to hearing loss, chronic infection, or cholesteatoma. This episode will focus on etiology, diagnosis, and acute management of tympanic membrane perforations. For a more detailed discussion of management of chronic tympanic membrane perforation, we point the interested listener to Headmirror's podcast entitled Chronic Otitis Media. So Dr. Carlson, what is a differential diagnosis, including can't-miss diagnoses, that the on-call resident should consider when seeing a consult on tympanic membrane perforations. Well, broadly, there's
1: generally three s- different situations where a patient or where a person might be consulted for a perforation. The first is in the setting of a chronic perforation that might be dry, but perhaps there's an acute exacerbation and the patient develops otorrhea. A second situation is a patient who had previously an intact tympanic membrane that developed acute otitis media with perforation, and the third situation is usually from a traumatic etiology. So with that in mind, the differential diagnosis, including the can not include uh, complicated otitis media with cranial or extracranial complications, malignant otitis externa, external auditory canal or temporal bone malignancy, ear canal foreign body, cholesteatoma, including middle ear or external auditory canal, temporal bone trauma, perilymphatic fistula, CSF leak.
0: What are some risk factors for tympanic membrane perforation? So prior P2
1: placement might result in a lasting perforation. You could have recurrent otitis media or acute otitis media with a ruptured drum. You could have a, a traumatic etiology from a cotton swab, a foreign body, barotrauma, hard, hard blow to the ear like a uh, boxing an ear, diving, water skiing, uh, forceful irrigations an explosion or temporal bone trauma. Or you might have a perforation or a retraction looks like a perforation from cholesteatoma.
0: How do patients with tympanic membrane perforations typically present? Again, it depends on the context you're talking about. Um, A person with a previous
1: existing dry perforation that has water exposure, for example, might uh, present with just ear drainage and pain and a little bit of hearing loss. If you have acute otitis media and subsequent perforation with separative otitis media, it might be pain with hearing loss. And if it's a traumatic etiology, they'll usually have a history of introducing something into the ear canal or a more involved temporal bone trauma. But uh, the symptoms in general associated with a perforation include conductive hearing loss, ear fullness, otalgia, uh, bloody or suppurative otorrhea, depending on the context. Um, And uh, you may have vertigo, sensory neural hearing loss, facial nerve weakness, or something else if you have a more severe temporal bone injury.
0: What are elements of the history one should focus on when seeing a patient with tympanic membrane perforation? So, you
1: want to ask about the timing of the perforation. Specifically, was there a known existing perforation and the patient developed acute drainage from acute exacerbation, acute infection, or water exposure? Or if it was presumed that there was no perforation before and the patient developed an acute infection or trauma? You should ask about associated symptoms, including otorrhea, otelgia, hearing loss, vertigo, or symptoms of cranial neuropathy should evaluate for underlying underlying cause including recent head trauma, recurrent ear infections, history of PE tubes or prior cholesteatoma. You can ask about a previous history of attempts at repair of perforation and previous ear surgery, history of hearing loss and the timing of hearing loss and onset, and history of active otorrhea or history of previous medical conditions
0: including prior culture results. What are some key supplies one would need for this consultation?
1: Just that baseline, you're going to want your appropriate PE, uh, PPE, mask, eye protection, gloves, and gown, an otoscope or an uh, autoendoscope, a 512 hertz tuning fork, cerumen curette, suction trap for fluid collection and whether or not whether you think it's a CSF leak or culture, ear wick if there's significant edema present with alligator forceps or cup forceps for uh, placement, And then if you're expecting to clean debris from the ear canal, it's best to do this under an operating microscope. Loops would suffice, but an operating microscope is best. You want an assortment of speculum sizes from 3 to 5 and different assortments of straight suction, usually a size 5 and 7 with a suction source.
0: What are aspects of the physical exam one should focus on when seeing these patients?
1: Of course you always start by a comprehensive head neck examination but specifically when focusing on the condition of the perforation you should look at the state of the skin around the ear is the ear fluctuant swollen proptotic is there scaling of the skin loss of defined uh, parts of the ear folds Uh, if there's any laceration present um, state of the pin in the ear canal is the ear canal narrowed edematous erythematous tender to palpation is there blood or purulence laceration or exposed bone present is there debris or foreign body present you should note the approximate size of the perforation, whether it's a, a small hole, subtotal tympanic membrane perforation, which implies basically a complete absence of the drama saving the annulus um, or a total perforation. Sometimes people will describe it in terms of its size, such as a pinpoint size or a PE tube-sized hole, et cetera. All those would be appropriate ways to describe a perforation size. You want to talk about the location of the perforation. Is it in the pars tensa or pars flaccida? Pars, uh, uh, flaccid or uh, perforation may increase your suspicion for cholesteatoma, anterior-posterior position to the malleus. The nature of the perforation, if it's central, specifically not involving the annulus, or if it's marginal, which by definition includes the annulus, perforations involving the annular ring are an increased risk for non-healing and also cholesteatoma. You want to ask about concomitant. Or you want to look for concomitant tympanic membrane findings, including maringosclerosis, myringitis, retraction, crusting, or oral polyp. State of the middle ear space, hypo, um, hemotympanum, purulence, inflamed mucosa, granulation tissue, foreign body, skin. You should assess at least crudely hearing. Use of using a 512 hertz tuning fork, a Weber should generally lateralize to the affected ear. And if the conductive hearing loss is greater than 20 or 25 dB, typically bone conduction will be greater than air conduction. You also want to look for, uh, particularly if it was a penetrating injury to the tympanic membrane, from a Q-tip or something else, you can look for signs of uh, inner ear injury or a perilymphatic fistula, which would include vertigo, dizziness, uh, subjective hearing loss, sensorineural hearing loss on your fork exam and then a cranial nerve examination with particular attention to the facial nerve. And that will be most important um, with trauma, a history of recent trauma, but also is relevant in the setting of acute or chronic infection.
0: And are there additional diagnostic studies that should be considered after obtaining a history and physical examination? Well, the diagnosis of a
1: tympanic membrane perforation is made by physical examination. And so if it's a dry, clean perforation, nothing else you could stop there if they're otherwise healthy. But if there's other things going on, a history of trauma, significant infec- infection, or if you're concerned about a complicated case, such as a patient who's immunocompromised or has more severe symptoms or sequela, you might want to look deeper with, uh, with imaging. But generally, uh, with acute separative otitis media without complication or otherwise dry perforation, your examination is enough. In more complicated cases where you might suspect complicated otitis media with secondary complications, you should obtain a CBC, cultures of purulent fluid, and imaging. In general, imaging for temporal bone trauma begins with a non-contrast temporal bone CT. If you're worried about an infectious etiology, um, it's also valuable to obtain a CT with and without contrast to look for abscess or septic dural sinus thrombosis, for example. On your CT temporal bone for trauma, you're going to specifically be looking at uh, the fracture line, whether or not there's associated pneumocephalus, which would be suggestive of a possible CSF leak, a sicular disruption, footplate dislocation with pneumo labyrinth, or air in the vestibule, most commonly, a violation of the fallopian canal or capsule or a cranial bleed. In the acute setting, an audiogram is often difficult to obtain in the ER, but close follow-up in the outpatient setting may be possible to get an audiogram, particularly if you're worried about inner ear injury. There's clear otorrhea in the setting of trauma. It's prudent to obtain a beta-2 transferrin to rule out a CSF leak.
0: Dr. Carlson, can you tell us about acute treatment of tympanic membrane perforations? So
1: you want to address the underlying cause if known. If it's dry without drainage, you'll just have them follow up electively. If there's an acute if there's acute otitis media, otherwise uncomplicated with perforation, you usually uh, institute dry ear precautions with ototopical drops, in plus or minus systemic uh, oral antibiotics depending on severity, but usually drops are sufficient. Um, if it's a case of uh, temporal bone trauma with uh, isolated tympanic membrane uh, perforation with some bloody otorrhea, typically you'll institute drops for a period of time with dry ear precautions to help with crusting. Um, if there's coalescent mastoiditis or complications of mastoiditis, oftentimes the patient will require systemic antibiotic therapy, plus or minus PU2 placement, plus or minus mastoid, mastoidectomy, et cetera, depending on the underlying etiology. Typically, um, if the it, if dry tympanic membrane perforation are uncomplicated, they're managed more electively in the outpatient clinic.
0: And then, um, can you tell us about disposition and follow-up for these patients
1: so most patients with tympanic membrane perforations can be managed on an outpatient basis. Immunocompromised patients or those with more aggressive infections or people who suffered skull-based trauma may, be, may require a hospital admission. Patients with acute tympanic membrane perforation, either from infection or trauma, should have an outpatient follow-up within a month in an audiogram, typically to assess hearing loss at about two to three months.
0: And then finally, how should we counsel these patients upon discharge?
1: Uh, people with uh, perforation at time of discharge should be counseled uh, to avoid water exposure, avoid using hearing aids, at least in a very acute setting, particularly if there's otorrhea. Um, and then um, they'll typically prescribed, be prescribed ototopical drops. Uh, and if the drainage does not resolve within 7 to 10 days, they should represent. But in general, these patients will be followed electively at an outpatient basis if uh, the case is otherwise uncomplicated uh, in a otherwise healthy patient.
0: Well, thank you again, Dr. Carlson, for joining us and for your time. That concludes our episode on tympanic membrane perforations. We hope to see you next time.